Hallelujah. Thank you. Beautiful job. And if you want to stand together as we read the Word of God, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew uh, chapter number 7 in beginning verse 13. Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse number 13. Hopefully you're having a beautiful, beautiful summertime. And uh, hopefully your kids aren't driving you crazy yet being home from school. And uh, that, you're supposed to laugh about that. That's kind of a funny thing. But you're like, that ain't funny. They're driving me crazy. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. The Bible, th- these are the words of Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount uh, when he, uh, he was talking about faith and then he transitions talking about the way. And uh, we want to read that. But before we do, I want to also mention that uh, we, on Thursday night, during our Bible study, we were doing a little series. The first, last week we talked about uh, faith, using faith to access the supernatural. And this Wednesday, uh, Thursday night we're going to talk about uh, prayer and fasting. So I encourage you to be a part of that. There's a revival spirit that's brewing there on the Thursday night uh, during our Bible study. And then also uh, prayer here at the church at 615 on Saturday um, from 615 to 7. I do want to say that if they're not finished, with the setup at the time at 6.15, then we'll meet right back there for prayer. But I, wanna, I, I know one thing. I know one thing beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there's nothing that the enemy will fight harder than us being consistent in prayer and taking time to pray. And as a church, it's going to be a challenge to put that consistent thing into our, the life of our church. But I want to encourage you, at, uh, if you're at all able, Saturdays at 6.15, from 6.15 to 7, we'll have prayer either in here if they're finished or over there until they're finished. Everybody said amen. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Jesus says essentially here in Scripture that there's really only two ways. There is a way that is wide. There is a way that many are traveling. That's what the Bible says, many enter in thereat. And this same way that is wide and many are traveling is the road that leads to destruction. Certainly, those people that are traveling that road aren't aware of the final destination of that road, or they wouldn't be on that road. The Bible says there is another road that is a straight gate, and it's a way that's not so broad. It's more of a one-lane, narrow pathway. But this is the one that few people be on. It's not as well-traveled, but there are few people that are on the pathway, but this is the way that leadeth unto life. There was a poem that I studied when I was uh, uh, studying uh, um, language. I was at English in preparation for my English training, a uh, poem about the road less traveled written by Robert Frost. It said, two ways parted in a path, and sad I was, 
that I could not travel both, looked for a long time down either pathway, and then the poet says, I chose the road less traveled, and that has made all the difference in my life. And as a believer, I want you to get this point, is that if you're traveling the narrow road, if you're traveling the straight way, you're going to be out of step with the majority of people in the world. And people are going to think you're weird. People are going to think you have lost your mind. People are going to think that it is inappropriate the way that you're going. That's what happens when you're on the narrow road and there's few people on it. But I want to encourage you today to take that road that's less traveled. And I'm going to speak for just a few moments today on this subject, the way of the word. The way of the word. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word, which is forever settled in heaven. And we put our trust and confidence in your word, Jesus, that heaven and earth can pass away, but not one mark, not one letter, not one punctuation mark from your word shall pass. And God, we put our confidence in your word. And more than just acknowledging the greatness or the reality of your word, we make it our intention as believers, to walk in the way of the word. I pray, Jesus, that you would open our hearts, open our spirits up to receive your word today, Lord God, and let it cause a transition and a change in our thinking that we might give glory to God in our lifestyle and surrender our members as instruments of righteousness unto you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. I want you to greet one more person before you're seated. God bless you. What if the entire Bible could be written on one page? Just one page, the entire Bible. Or, or how about this? What if the entire Bible could be written in one paragraph? Just one paragraph and it's the entire Bible. Or, or how about this? What if the entire Bible could be put on a note card? The entire Bible full word of God on a note card. Well, to be honest, there was a time when you could have put all of God's word on a note card. In fact, our great, 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 you know, if you go back far enough, all of us are related. Uh-huh. So you're not supposed to marry somebody if they're your sister or your cousin, unless you're from Kentucky or Tennessee, or your second or third cousin. But if you go far enough down the line, all of us are related. And if you go far enough back, all of us have the same great, 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 however many greats you want to add, grandmother, and her name was Eve. And Eve had a Bible that could be written on a note card, if they had note cards back then. Here's the Bible. I can read the whole thing because it won't take, if I was going to read the Bible today, it'd take a long time. But I'm going to read the Bible that Eve had. Here's the whole Bible. Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's the whole Bible. Genesis to Revelation. That's the word of God as it was revealed to the very first man and the very first woman. So all of us know the story, but would you humor me for a moment as I remind us the details of this story. There was a serpent in the garden. You want to know how the serpent got there? You got to read later on in scripture where you find out that there was an angel named Lucifer that did not like God's authority and thus rebelled against the authority of God, said, I will ascend to the throne. I will be like God. And he caused other angels to join him in his rebellion. And the Bible says he was cast out together with those rebellious angels like lightning they fell from heaven to the earth. So when God's created being, the first man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, were in the garden, the serpent was already there. And I want you to understand the job description of the serpent. The job description of the serpent is to get human beings to join him in his cosmic rebellion against God's authority. He knew that as God was putting the stars in place, setting the moon in orbit, creating the seas and the rivers, the streams, the beautiful foliage, that all of this creation was not just random, but there was a purpose because finally God was going to stick in the midst of all this creation the crowning achievement of his creation that he created in his own image, which was mankind. And God put mankind there for relationship and fellowship, created in the image of God so that one day we know that God was going to, from humanity, create a bride for himself that he would live an eternal relationship of love with. That's the church of the living God made up of human beings, God's crowning achievement. So the serpent shows up where Eve is, and he begins to immediately challenge the authority of the word of God. The serpent said, Half God said, Ye shall not eat of this tree. I want you to understand one thing right now is that the enemy started by attacking two things, and he continues to this day to attack the veracity and the authority of these two things. Because if he can undermine in your mind these two things, then he has canceled the avenue of God's communication to you. What are those two things? Well, one of them's obvious. He questioned the Word of God, the Bible on a note card. Is that legitimate? Is it real? Is it necessary? Is it relevant to where you are today? But secondly... This is a little more subtle. The enemy, the serpent, was also seeking to undermine the messenger that gave her the message. Because as you see them reading the book of uh, Genesis, that when God gave this commandment, Eve wasn't even created yet. 
So Adam became the one personally familiar with the Word of God whose responsibility was to communicate as a messenger the Word of God. And I have found today in our world that as Satan's agenda is being unfolded, that he is in full-fledged attack against the authority of the Word of God and the reality of the Word of God, but he's also attacking our confidence in those that distribute as messengers, evangelists, pastors, the Word of God to undermine people's confidence in the man of God and in the Word of God. Because if you lose confidence in the Word of God and you lose confidence in the man of God, then there is no way for you to hear the will of God. And you are stuck. And so the enemy started from the very beginning with this range of attack. And the Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is at, lo- at work in the world today. And all of us have heard the Big Bang Theory. All of us have heard the theory of evolution. We've heard attack after attack on the reality of the Word of God. The Word of God is presented in school systems, in education, as archaic, irrelevant, sexist, puritanical, prohibitive, out of place and out of step with today's culture. But I want to tell you that no matter what happens in culture, no matter what things transpire in this world, the Word of God will not become irrelevant. Amen. 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 That it will stand the test of time. No matter what critics come against it, the Word of God is going to stand. Heaven and earth can pass away. The the flower fadeth and the grass withereth, but the Word of God will stand every test. My confidence is in the Word of God. And, of course, over and over again it's been proven that every attempt of science and humanism to disprove the Word of God ends up coming up short. Amen. Amen. I could give you several examples. But one thing, we were just at the men's conference. This was really amazing. I thought this was so cool. I wanted to share this with you. This right here is a little iPad, right? This is a, a kind of cool machine. Anybody uh, ever got to play with an iPad or own an iPad? You know that it's a pretty neat deal. Well, can you imagine if, if I believed that there was just a bunch of glass and metal and, and, and screws and uh, so forth, all, all these little pieces that we put into a blanket and, and we had four people get on the corner of the blanket and just toss all the glass and metal and... Uh, uh, parts up into the air, and then when they came down onto the blanket, they had all come together into a functional iPad. Now, this is essentially what the Big Bang Theory says. They say in terms of probability and likelihood, and and so the idea is, well, it may, obviously it's probably not going to happen the first time, but what if you tried it a million times or a billion times? Do you think it's ever going to come down together like this? The answer is no. You know why? Because something like this requires an intelligent designer. And you know why a man was able to build this? Because he was made in the image of God, who is the ultimate designer and creator. 
He put things in order that are so intricate and so amazing and so fascinating that science will never be able to understand or unravel it all. So go ahead. Explore your theories. Go ahead. Study and search. Curiosity about the wonders of the universe. It's only appropriate uh, to look about and to discover. But at the end of the day, you will not discover anything that contradicts the word of God. Amen. And while for generations they thought the world was flat, years before in the Bible, it says that the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. Uh, The circle of the earth is not just a round thing, but it's a sphere like a ball. Let me tell you that the word of God is sophisticated because it will stand every test of time. And so I'm thankful for the Word of God, and my confidence is in the Word of God. I also want to mention, too, that the attack against God's representative or angel or messenger or the man of God or the pastor is very obvious in the world that we live in today. We have seen the televangelists with their very obvious failures cause all of us to sit back and say, these are men just like us that have their weaknesses and problems. I want to share with you in the book of Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16, at the very beginning, the Bible tells the story of a man named Korah, who was the son of Izhar. I'll spare you all of the details of his lineage. It says that they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And I want you to notice what they said. And said unto them, to Moses as the leader of the congregation, ye take too much upon you. Don't you know that all of the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them? Wherefore then lift ye up yourself above the congregation of the Lord. These men named Korah and 250 men with him rejected the authority of the man that God had put over the assembly. And I want to tell you today that this spirit that worked in Korah is at work in 2013 in the world today. This idea that there's no need that there would be someone with spiritual authority, even though the Bible says that he put over the church shepherds after his own heart. So I want to share with you today, be wary of forces in your life that try to undermine the authority of the word of God, amen, and the position of a pastor in your life, amen. I don't know if you like this or not, but this is the word of God because when you allow these things to unfold in your life, it brings about some problems and some destruction. And I believe it's very important to protect your confidence in the word of God and don't let anybody undermine, amen, your confidence in a man of God or a pastor that's in your life, amen, that's got to answer for your soul, that's praying for you and believing, amen, that God is going to take you all the way through. Can I get an amen in the house today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So here's the question. What's the tree doing in the garden in the first place? (laughs) 
Brother Ulysses, we, we talked about this. What's it doing there? Anybody ever wondered that? God creates his creation all for man, puts man in the garden, this paradise. Says you can eat of every tree in the garden except for the one, this dangerous tree that when you eat of it, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Here's the question, the big question. What's the tree doing in the garden? I mean, and I heard someone say one time before, that if they could go back in time to any point in history and bring any modern invention with them that would make the biggest difference in humanity, what would they do? And somebody said, well, I'd take an iPhone back to 1800 and drop it off and hand it off to uh, Benjamin Franklin or something, and that's just going to change the order of the world or whatever. And then somebody said, I'm going to take a chainsaw back to the Garden of Eden, and I'm going to beat Eve to the tree, and I'm going to cut it down and drag it and throw it in the lake. What was the tree doing in the garden in the first place? Why did God put it there? It's very important to understand. The reason, you got to get this, the reason that there's a tree in a garden in the first place is if Adam and Eve are in the garden and there is no need for any word of God because they can do whatever they want to, then they would not have the opportunity to choose to obey God or to choose not to obey God. But you have to remember here that ultimately, God is preparing for himself a bride, a church that's going to eternally be in fellowship with him because they love him and want to obey him. How could he know whether you loved him and wanted to obey him if you had no choice to decide whether you were going to love him or obey him? So the tree in the garden represented the opportunity for you to choose the pathway that you wanted to take and the way that you wanted to live and the way that you wanted to go. Amen. Let me just uh, get a little bit deep here. There are those in Reformed theology that believe in uh, absolute predestination, which means that you don't have a choice of whether you're going to be saved or not. It's all God's choice. That's, that's ultimate extreme Calvinism, this belief that God in his sovereignty has already decided who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. Well, in a sense, then, there's no tree in the garden because you don't get to choose. But the Bible that I read lets me know that many are called. Amen. That everyone has the opportunity, but it's up to us to choose the pathway that we want to go. So if you think about it, it's really awesome. You get to choose. You get to choose the life you want to live. You get to choose the values you want to have. You get to choose the priorities in your life. You have the opportunity to choose. Amen. And, and I know we, we, we live in a world where there's so much group think. If you don't believe that, walk through a high school. Everybody has the exact same outfit and hairdo. Everybody has to look just the same. That's, I mean, that's the way it was. Even when I went to high school, it was like peer pressure. Everybody's wearing the little alligators on their shirt, and then that's not cool anymore. And then everybody's wearing the little polos on your shirt. Or if you're, if you're poor, it's kind of a horse turned the other direction. You remember those? 
for the poor kids that couldn't get the polos. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Not that we were poor, but my parents were tight. My horses were turned the wrong direction. But you know what I'm saying. Everybody kind of walks to the beat of whatever culture tells them to do. But the reality is you don't have to march to that beat. You get to choose what your priorities and values are. If you want to, you can dress like Lady Gaga. If you want to, you can dress like an Amish man. If you want to, you can go here, not go here. You can live this way within the bounds of the law, which pretty much protects the rights of other people based on your actions. You get to live and do however you want to live and do. This is what was represented by the tree in the garden. Because at the end of the day, the tree represented who was going to be a part of the bride of Christ. Who was going to walk the way of the word. Because the way of the word says, do what God says and God's blessings will be upon you. Reject the word of God and walk the way of your own will and you will suffer the consequences of that and you cannot be a part of the bride of Christ doing your own thing. You can only be a part of the bride of Christ when you walk the way of the word. You know why this is important? Because the bride of Christ is not going to be an arranged marriage. What's an arranged marriage? That's a marriage that has no love to it. That's a marriage where somebody else says these two are going to get together because it will benefit us. That's a marriage where two people who barely know each other, maybe don't even know each other, are standing at the altar together looking at each other and saying, I guess we got to do this. Let's go through with it. Uh, that's an arranged marriage. But the marriage that I have with my wife was a marriage where I picked her out from the crowd and she picked me out from the crowd and my heart sunk when I saw her. I was overwhelmed with something about this lady and I said, I gotta have her in my life, whatever it takes. And somewhere along the way, I finally convinced her to pay a little bit of attention my way and before long, it was both of us desiring to be together and at our wedding, it was not two strangers standing at an altar, but it was two people who had decided that they loved each other and wanted to be together forever. And I want to tell you that eternity is a long time to be stuck with somebody you didn't choose, but those that are going to be with Jesus are the ones that decided, I want to walk the way of the word. And Jesus says, I want a bride, amen, that loves me more than this whole world, that loves me more than the temptations, that loves me more than the these things that would try to seek their attention. Tree was in the garden so God could choose a bride. And there's still a way of the word. I don't know if you noticed, but the Bible's a little longer now than a paragraph. But it is the word of God. And there's got to be something inside of people that want to be a part of the bride of Christ that says, I am not going to let this world determine what my priorities are, what my choices are, how I'm going to live my life, and the direction that I'm going to take. But I'm going to step out of this mass stampede to destruction 
And I'm going to look into the word of God that very few be following. And I'm going to follow on this narrow way that leads to eternal life uh, so that I can be a part uh, of the bride of Christ. Can you give him praise right now? Anybody feel that way? Come on, somebody. Do you believe it? And so when Eve was tempted of the serpent, the serpent said, this is a tree that's, that's delicious. It's not going to hurt you. God's trying to withhold something good from you. And so while she was there pondering what her husband said that God said, what the serpent was saying, she made the choice. And that's where the fork in the road was. The fork in the road was at the point of decision. Am I going to do what looks good? Am I going to do what appeals to my flesh? And if I can take it to our uh, world that we live in, am I going to just do what everybody else is doing? Or am I going to pause for a moment and look down both roads a long way and say, which pathway do I want to take? Because I want to tell you that it's more than just eternal life or no eternal life. Obviously, that's the major issue. But when you look pretty far down the road, you find out that obeying God and walking the narrow path is not just about prohibitions and don't do this, don't do that. It's about favor. It's about blessing. It's about provision. It's about God taking care of you. It's about being in covenant with God, amen, so that I'm going to obey God and he's going to bless me. And he's not going to only bless me, but he's going to bless those that bless me and he's going to curse them that curse me. He's going to let me live in houses that I didn't build and eat from crops that I didn't plant. Come on, I'm talking about Abraham's covenant that you have the power to tap into when you stand at the point of decision and look down the pathway and say, I'm not going on this stampede to pleasure, but I'm going on the narrow path called the way of the word, the way that says whatever God says is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow the word of God. It doesn't matter what my flesh says. It doesn't matter what that other person says. It doesn't matter what that person operating in the gift of prophecy says to me. I'm going to get into the word of God, and I'm going to follow the word of God. And if you, come on, someone, if you follow the word, of God. You have a promise of eternal life, but in the meantime, there's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The devil is a liar. The pathway to pleasure won't make you happy. There may be pleasure for a season, but it's leading to destruction. Are you listening to me right now? It won't make you happy. It promises happiness, but it won't bring happiness. If it brought happiness, there would be no divorce in Hollywood stars. 
If it brought happiness, there would be no suicide among millionaires and billionaires. If it brought happiness, if this world could bring happiness, then you wouldn't see these things that crop up of evidence that there's no satisfaction. No matter how many people are traveling, no matter how many people are trapped into this mentality, there's no true joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. But somewhere, somebody has to stop and say, I know everybody's going this way, but there's a few people on this pathway, and I like the way that they're living, and I like something about them. They know where they're going. There's an assuredness about them. Oh, it's an old pathway. It's a tried and true pathway. Many generations of people have walked this pathway, born and grew old and died in this pathway. It's not some new finagle thing. It's an old pathway. But I want to tell you today that this is a pathway that is worth traveling. Amen. This is a pathway that is worth considering. And you need to understand that once you get on this pathway, everybody else is going to think you're weird. Yeah? You're not the norm anymore. You're not with everybody else anymore. You're not making decisions like everybody else. You have values that don't make sense to everybody else. You're walking the way of the word. When you look through the word of God, there's several ways that are mentioned. There's the way of the Lord. People walked in the way of their fathers. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. When it was the way of Jeroboam, it was a bad thing. If your dad was Ahab and you walk in the way of Ahab, that's a bad thing. If your dad's David or Asa, the Bible says they walked in the way of their father Asa, this was a good thing. They did things that were right in the sight of the Lord. So you got to stop for a minute. Just because my dad did it doesn't mean I need to walk in that pathway. Are you listening to me right now? You don't have to walk in the pathway of your father. Listen to me right now. You don't have to walk in the way of your father. If the way of your father led to destruction, you need to stop for a minute and ask yourself, this is plain right now, but am I walking in the way of my father? And if I'm walking in the way of my father, listen, you got a choice. You don't have to walk in the way of your father. But you can walk in the way of the word. Can I get a witness here? You can walk in the way of the word. In Psalms, we read about the way of sinners, the way of the ungodly. We hear, hear about the way of the righteous. And uh, uh, in Psalms, at the end, the psalmist says, help me to choose the way of truth, to run in the way of God's commandments. Help me to understand the way of his precepts. Teach me the way of thy statutes. I want to go in the way of the word, is what the psalmist is saying. Teach me, let me run, let me walk in the way of your commandments. In Psalms 146, 9, it says, the way of the wicked God turneth upside down. In Proverbs, we read about the way of the saints or the way of the wicked. In one place, it talks about the way to hell. It's a pathway. It's a way that you can travel. The Bible talks about the way of Cain and the way of Balaam. All of these ways really boil down to just two ways. It's the way to destruction. That's why many people on it or the way of life that's narrow and few people be on it. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Few there be 
to find it. Some of you, when you got on the road, you realized you were driving with the flow of traffic. You realized, you know what, I'm just racing blindly down the wrong highway just because everybody else is on the block. My priorities are just like everybody else's on the block. My schedule looks pretty much like everyone else's. And you saw other people heading in a different direction, just a few other people down a one-lane road. Let me tell you, if you find yourself in the majority in this world, you're probably on the broad way. You're probably not traveling the narrow pathway. And when you read what Jesus writes, it's anything but normal. Look at what Jesus writes. His teachings were so out of the ordinary that they could easily be considered crazy or weird. Think, look, look at what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If somebody hits you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. He told the disciples, you have to forgive your brother if he offends you. How many times? Seventy times seven for the same offense in one day. And then the next day, they get a clean slate again. When the disciples heard this, that they had to forgive their brother for the same offense 490 times in the same day, what did they say? Lord, increase our faith. I don't think I can do this. You talk about a different way of living. Normal is to seek revenge on those that hurt you. But Jesus shows us to be kind to those that harm you. If someone hits you, what does everybody else do? They swing back. But Jesus says you're on the narrow path. He teaches you to turn the other cheek. And in order to truly follow Jesus and to truly know Jesus, it means I'm going to have to be different from my friends and different from everyone else. But guess what? Different isn't bad. If you're different because you're walking in the way of the word, different is good. I'll just throw this out here. here here's the world we live in. We, we live in a world right now where the norm is, you guys still with me? The norm is premarital sex, extramarital sex, friends with benefits type of sex, pornography, experimentation, casual hookups. This is the world that we live in. Whatever feels good between consenting adults is totally the norm in 2013 in the U.S. of A. But if you watch, normal also carries a heavy price tag with it too. Guilt, shame confusion, remorse, disease, addiction, unwanted children, and divorce. Amen.
So I want to tell you that living for God and walking the way of the word, it leads to life eternal. But it also brings peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Can I remind you that living for God, see the problem with Eve, if I can just back up to the end here, the problem with Eve is she focused on the prohibitions of the Word of God. Because if you look at the Bible in her day, which was one note card, it said, of all the trees of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. She forgot about all of that. And the devil got her to focus on this one prohibited element to the way of the word, which was don't eat this tree. And she focused on this, and he got her to focus on this so much that she forgot about all the blessings that came with walking the way of the word. See, the way of the word said she could eat any tree of the garden at any time. But she got out of the way of the word and they were kicked out of the garden and had to plant seeds and work the ground and sweat and perspire. Are you listening to me right now? Are you listening to me? She focused only on the prohibitive side of the way of the word rather than realizing that the way of the word brings so much favor and blessing into Children of Israel made the same mistake. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, we can't have this. We can't go there. And God's raining manna on them every day, providing their needs in the wilderness. Come on, someone. He's promised them, I'm going to give you a city. I'm going to give you a nation. Water's streaming out of a rock. And all they can focus on is what they don't have. And the hardships of the narrow way. Forgetting that the covenant came with all kinds of promises and all kinds of favor and all kinds of blessings from God. If you're going to walk the way of the word, you better watch out. Because the Bible says goodness and mercy is going to follow you. All the days of your life, when you have it in your mind that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It doesn't matter what relationships come into my life. It doesn't matter what influences come into my life. I'm not going to let anybody or anything separate me from the way of the word. Because if I stay in the way of the word, there's favor for my life. There's blessing for my life. God's goodness and mercy is going to be following me all the days of my life. So if I can tell you, if I can finish this up by saying, not only are you going to be out of step with the world in your values choices and in your lifestyle choices if you're walking in the way of the word, but you're also going to be out of step with the world in the way God's favor comes upon you. It's not going to make sense to them. Come on, somebody. Do I know somebody in the house here? Is there somebody in the house that knows that when you do something that makes no sense to this world, like giving the first 10% of your income to God? Hey, that's just one person. Well, let me talk to you about that for a minute. Is that all right? Is that okay? Okay. I don't like that part of the word. Come on, you've got to walk in the way of the word. It's not going to make sense at all to this world. What? Oh, man, that preacher just wants your money. Don't you know? 
Don't you know they'd be rolling? You see how many suits he's got, don't you? What about the principle of the word? The principle of the word which says if you give the first tenth to God, the remaining 90% is blessed of God. If you don't give the first tenth, the remaining 100% is cursed of God. When you walk in the way of the word, that 90% of blessed money goes a whole lot further. I got some witnesses in the house. The amazing thing is I've never had, I can't remember a consistent tither asking me for a loan. You know why? Because there's discipline in their life and there's blessing in their life. It's not just a restriction or a prohibition or a requirement. It is a pathway to blessing. The Lord said if you circumcise your firstborn son, I'm going to put favor on your life. If you obey me and follow me, then you're going to have barns that are full. You're going to be blessed with lots. And I want to tell you, this is just one way that I could go through the list forever and ever. And some of you think, maybe he is going to go through the list today forever and ever. But the reality is that when you walk in the way of the word, you open the windows of heaven for God to begin to bless you. For God to be able to bless you. My friend said he pastors a church. Some of you met Brother Turnbow. He said a man came up to him in the church. He's a little bolder than I am. Dwayne is. Some of you met Dwayne. Came up to the front and said, Pastor, would you pray over my wallet? And Brother Turnbow said, Brother, you're not paying your tithes. I don't want to waste my time and pray over something that's cursed. Do what, you, do what the Word says, and then we won't even have to say a prayer. Amen. The blessings and the favor will come into your life. I'm just talking about one area, but I could talk about many, many, many areas. Live a life of modesty. Amen. How about this? How about this? You don't let your kids just go with whatever the other kids are doing. Amen. How, how, many, how many want your kids to grow up with values? How many want your kids to be standing up there with these people that just graduated? Going to college, going to university, getting their master's and getting their doctorate. Come on, someone. They, they, some of you are living in a world where if you stay on the normal road, they ain't getting there. They ain't getting there. Some of you need to step off the road. Say, these are the values of the people around us, but we got a different set of values. I want my kids to grow up. I want my kids to, when they're married, not to have had two or three kids along the way in the meantime. You get to choose how you're going to live your life. You get to choose how you're going to raise your kids. You get to choose the values you're going to put in. And I'm just offering this up. You can hate me if you want to. But if there's anybody that says, I think I'd like to travel the way of the word, I wonder how my family will be blessed. I'm wondering how it'll show up in the next generation, in my kids. And come on. Some of you, when you came to Jesus, you were raised on the wide path. Your family was on the wide path. You saw the seeds of judgment and destruction in your family. Maybe you started down that path yourself. 
20, 30, 40 years of age and you see the issues that it caused, here's the good news. You don't have to stay on that path forever. That's the news of the gospel. That's what being born again means. It means it doesn't matter the path that my daddy traveled. It doesn't matter the path that I traveled the first 50 years of my life. But I'm making a decision to walk in the way of the word. Why don't we stand together right now? Joshua said it this way. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. You get to choose which pathway you're going to walk on. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, I'm going to go ahead and make a decision right now for my kids. I'm going to go ahead and make a decision right now for my family. I'm going to put my foot on the ground and say, as for me and my house, we're going to walk in the way of the word. We're going to serve the Lord. So it's about decisions. 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 When you look back over your life and you see where you are, How did you get there? Because you were traveling on a path. What is the path? The decisions that I've made. I'm here today because of the decisions that I've made. So some people come to God and say, okay, God, fix it all. Fix, 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 fix. I've got all these issues. I've got all these problems. Fix, 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 fix. You know what? When you get lost and you find out you've been going the wrong direction, You don't fix misdirection. You change direction. And there's some people that want God to heal all the issues that are a product of their decisions, but they want to keep walking the same way. Are you hearing me right now? That's not how God operates. God will heal you, but the real issue is, have you repented? That means, have you changed direction and decided? Because guess what? I love this. The wide road has off-ramps to the narrow road. Is there any witness in the house? Anybody here that you were on the on the broad road for many, many, many years? And the Spirit of God got a hold of you, and you took an off-ramp to the road of favor and blessing. Amen. Just before we live, I wonder if we could come together around the front, and I want to pray with you before we leave here today on this beautiful Sunday. Amen. Friends, guests, members, let's pray together before we leave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Kind of come come on up here around the front. It's easy to get plugged there in the aisles, but come on and push through. Amen.
So the word of God is the way to eternal life. But I found it's also the way to blessing on planet earth, the life we're living right now. Now that doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean you're never going to get laid off from a job. That doesn't mean you're never going to have a bad week. Do I have any real saints that can give me a witness on that? Life's still life. Rain still falls. Amen. You still get pimples. <laughs> Rashes still itch. Amen. But when you decide to walk in the way of the word, you're heading the right direction, and God's favor is following you. And I want to encourage someone today to think about the path that you're on. The path that I'm on and the values that I have, decisions that I make, not just the big decisions, but sometimes the little decisions make a big difference. Like little decisions like, is, is our family going to go to church today or not? Amen? Those are little decisions that you kind of have to settle in terms of a pattern to start walking the right path. Amen. I'm not saying just coming to church is the only thing that matters, but that's one of the steps among many to changing the direction of your life and saying, God, more than just feeling your presence, more than just hearing a word that stirred me, God, help me change direction and help me and my family and my household begin to walk in the way of the word and not let anything seduce me, not let anything distract me, not let anybody pull me from the way of the word, but let me let me fix my eyes like Abraham did on a city which had foundation whose builder and maker was God. I've got my eyes fixed on heaven. Sometimes I think we forget that. We're only going to be here a few years compared to eternity. If you live to be a hundred, that's just a blink of an eye comparison to eternity am I living for today am I living for the pleasures of my flesh or is there something in me that says I can find eternal life through Jesus Christ so I have got my eyes glued on Jesus no matter what comes my way no matter what things happen I'm going to walk in the way of the word oh I'm going to stumble Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make mistakes I'm going to fall short that's what the word sin means, to miss the mark. You can't really sin unless you're trying to walk on the right road. You're walking in iniquity, in disobedience, in rebellion if you're walking on the wide road. But you walk on the narrow road, you're going to miss the mark from time to time. But you know what? You just get up <laughs> and just keep walking. Say, man, I hope I don't mess, make that mess again. I hope I don't fall in that pothole again. And you just keep walking. I want you to reach over and pray for someone right now because we're going to pray for one another because I, I, I want to see your family. Here's, here's the, what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said it this way to those that he was shepherding. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was saying in essence, hey, I, I may not be perfect. I may be short-tempered sometimes. I'm, the Lord's still working on me in certain areas, but he's put me as an apostle over you. And I'm following Jesus with everything in me. Can you follow me while I follow Christ as we walk together in the way of the word? In Jesus' name, pray for one another right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every soul under the sound of my voice here. People, Lord Jesus, who are seeking to walk with you. They want to grow and they want to be used by the Holy Spirit of God. 
I pray for every family and every household represented here. In Jesus' name, those that are seeking to walk in the way of the word, Lord, so that your favor and blessings would be upon them. I pray in Jesus' name that you would strengthen them, equip them, and enable them, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for those that are walking in secret sin, those, Lord Jesus, that have been lying and stealing, those that have been breaking your law, Lord God, that your conviction would come into their heart, Lord, and that they would take that step to walk back to you, all of us, Jesus. Let us hear the cry of God. Let us hear the voice of the Lord. And I pray blessing upon households. I pray blessing upon families. I pray blessing upon children, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that some people whose fathers walked in a bad way, walked in a rebellious way, whose fathers walked in a way that led to destruction, that they would change direction, not walk in the ways of their father, Lord God. I pray, Jesus, that you would give them courage and strength to walk in the way of their heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's it. Pray for one another right now as the Spirit of God settles in this place.
Hallelujah. I pray for every family here, Lord God. Let your spirit minister hope, Lord Jesus, and regeneration to every family. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If you're here with us today and, and, and God spoke to you, spoken to you, and you want to get on the way of the word, we do have some things that we can help you with along the way. And the first is, if you haven't been through the New to Life class, it's about starting new life with Jesus. You can start that next week. You can do that next week, uh, starting at 10 o'clock in the conference room. Let uh, uh, Brother and Sister Ross know. Sister Ross, raise your hand. Brother Ross, these, these two people right there will get you plugged right in, and, uh, and, and you can begin to be a part of that. And uh, this... Uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying next week, but actually it's July 1st. It's the week after, so make sure you check with them before you just show up next week. July 1st is when we start, and then we'll take off the month of August. So if you want to get in that class, do your best to jump in in July for that. And also, if, uh, uh, if you, you uh, uh, the Bible says that uh, when, when you repent of your sins, that's a change of direction, that the next step is to be water baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins so that the old... What happened is, is basically the old person that was going the old path is what dies when you repent. You kind of put that to death. You've been walking the way of human will. You say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm putting my will to death, and I'm going to follow Jesus. So what happens at baptism is that old nature is buried, and it stays in the water, and you're, you come out with the new nature uh, uh, in Christ Jesus. And then the Bible promises that you'll receive the baptism or the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues that this is available for you. And if somebody's here today and you, you need to make some changes in your life and you need this pastoral support in any way and these changes of direction, uh, choices with your family, choices, whatever, and you need our support, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you. You're the one that has to make the choice, but when you make the choice, we're here to support it. Not gonna, we're not going to force any choices on you. When you make a choice, that's what we're here for. So the Lord bless you. I'm going to ask Pastor Amato to come up and uh, uh, dismiss you and uh, say hello. And, uh, uh, and also, if there's um, uh, anybody that's a guest with us today, I'd love to meet you before you leave in the guest reception right out there. And um, uh, if you're one of our graduates, come by for your gift. God bless. We love each and every one of you. And, uh, and I want to see you make it to heaven. And I want to see God's blessing just unleashed on your family. All right? Praise God. Yeah, clap your hands for the word of God that we heard. Amen. Thank you for the word, Jesus. Thank you for the word, God. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. So if you've been losing your steps or been misdirected, get into the word and your, your steps will become illuminated. What a wonderful message. Amen. Who's going who's gonna to choose the right road? You, you, you know, sometimes when, when you're in a narrow path, you kind of have to watch every step. Kind of have to suck it in at times and because you're careful. And that's what walking the narrow road will do for you. Every decision you make, you'll put care and heart and most importantly, God will be in that. Who wants to do that? I'm committing to do that. Amen. This is life, church, and God wants to add life and an abundant life into your world, amen, into your household. Before you leave, why don't you greet one another 
and tell them it was great having you at Life Church. We'll see you on Thursday night for Bible study and next week for an apostolic move, amen, here at Life Church. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day in the Lord.